Hi, this is Stephen Durock, the writer director of The Rage, and you're listening to the Horror Squad podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast. This is episode number 260, where tonight we are going to be talking about The Menu, directed by Mark Malode, starring Ralph Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy. We are obviously toddlers tonight, which is why you're hearing my voice, Joe, and I'm here with Steve. And Steve, we got an interview at the end of this episode. We do. So I... I am interviewing the cast of Steve DeRock's uh, newest movie. He was a guest on our show maybe last year for his hit movie, The Rage, which won a ton of awards at like festivals and stuff. So his second movie is called Murder, Madness, and Mayhem. And we're going to have the main cast of that movie talk about kind of their process, what the movie's like, and all that kind of stuff. So stay tuned to the end and listen to our interview with the cast of that movie. Joe, what's going on? Hey, what's up, buddy? Ah, uh, not much. Putting my Freddy cosplay together. I'm very excited about that. Uh, follow me on Instagram if anyone wants to keep up to date with that. Uh, Joe's House of Horror over there. But I got a really great Freddy mask for it. And then I found a guy on Etsy who makes Freddy clothing. Um, It's okay. Like, I, I was, you know, hoping for a little better quality on that, especially considering what I paid. But it's decent. Like... I'm definitely going to want to upgrade that eventually. I mean, this is my first like foray into kind of, I guess it's cosplay sort of, but it's more just kind of like collecting, but just kind of wanting to be the part and kind of dressing up at cons here and there. But like, I don't want to be like a cosplayer, you know what I mean? Like, I just kind of want to have a little bit of fun with it here and there. And obviously living in Salem, a lot of people do that downtown, like during the months of October and stuff. So, you know, it's fun. So yeah, I mean, overall, I'm really happy with how it came out. My next project is the Creeper from Jeepers Creepers, which is going to be a lot more involved because his clothing is a lot more detailed and whatnot. And I know that's going to cost me a little bit more than the simple Freddy cosplay. So uh, that'll be my next project. So yeah, if anyone wants to keep up to date with me, Discord, our Discord, of course, or my Instagram. But yeah, I'm having fun with it. How about you, Steve? How's your How's your week? Well, first, I want to mourn the uh, unfortunate loss of Seymour Salem, which uh, Freddie apparently killed because now we won't see him around Salem anymore. But I'm pretty excited to see when you start busking again and uh, see what the Freddie costume looks when you've done your alterations and stuff. Is there something specific that you're looking to change? Like, I, I noticed the glove is still a little, like, you know, I guess more Halloween-y than cheap yeah, yeah it's a that's that was just a cheap like ruby's glove and the, i have a really nice glove but i had robert england sign it so <laughs> right yeah i mean i've been talking to uh, a couple of glove makers online i've gotten some recommendations from some like fellow freddy cosplayers because i joined like a freddy cosplayer group so you know i uh yeah there's you know they're expensive though like you know like i was you know one guy quoted me at like 200 bucks the other guy quoted me at 300 bucks i'm like you know the 60 dollar glove for now is, isn't bad <laughs> i mean it doesn't look great but eventually i'll definitely get uh an upgrade i'm looking for a con safe glove too obviously because cons can be pretty strict about bringing in certain you know sort of sharp weapons and stuff like that so that's definitely the next goal i the sweater i got is definitely a little paper it's kind of like a paper thinnish quality i definitely want like a legit like you know nice like 
strong like fabric sweater. So that is definitely the two big upgrades. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, the pants are basic, like, so don't really need to do much with that. The fedora is okay for now, but I think I can upgrade the fedora a little bit more to make it look a little more screen accurate. So, yeah, just just little things. I mean, for now, I'm so, happy. So, so basically, you have the mask and everything else you want to upgrade, right? And the, well, the pants are fine. I got the boots. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I mean, eventually the sweater and the glove will upgrade. The fedora is good enough for now. You know, it's just little things. Like I said, I'm I'm, I'm happy with it for now, but eventually i'll you know want it to get as movie accurate as possible but i i would i think for now i'd rather jump over to uh the creeper and and start on him i found a guy who makes creeper clothes on etsy but it's not cheap and uh he would even make the wings for me and stuff so i could go really crazy but i don't think i'm gonna do anything like that but yeah and then i, I i'm definitely uh, I've, I've been looking into like boot heighteners and stuff like that from especially for the creeper because like i'm a little on the short side which works for freddy but not so much for the creeper so <laughs> yeah no, so I, I look forward to seeing what you're doing over there. there's a lot of great buskers and in, in there are you yeah. know that's uh mm -hmm. it's pretty intense especially around halloween time it's just that's all it is like you go down that main street right. there and it's just one after the other so yeah, yeah. no there's there's some great ones bora the witch yeah, Bora, is a classic right <laughs> yeah yeah, it's a man who does it, but he's he's awesome. He does it just he is like the basically the local celebrity as far as buskers. He's he's amazing. And then there's a guy named Brandon who he's been doing Pennywise a lot, but he does a lot of original costumes as well. But his Pennywise is, is really impressive as well. And that's the best part. One of the best parts about going to Salem in October is like all the amazing buskers downtown. It definitely adds to that Halloween ambiance. So if you ever come down, you got to see it. Yeah, actually, speaking of Bora, um, you know, no longer a local, she's going international because uh, coming up to Canada for a, a con here, which is fucking amazing. So that, that I thought that was really cool when I saw that. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, he uh, he goes down to Florida a lot too. He's got like a little thing with Spooky Empire too. But yeah, he's doing what House of Disney Expo, right? He's House doing, of yeah. Mouse. He's doing yeah. a, a friggin' uh, Hocus Pocus reunion yeah. thing. So that's friggin' cool. Super cool. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and other than that, not too much. You know, we did our movie hangout on Discord, of course. So we talk about it all the time. So it's our absolutely free Discord that we have for the Horror Squad podcast. And once a month, we meet and discuss movies and stuff like that. So we started recently to actually do screenings and watch movies with the people on Discord as opposed to just talking about them. We watched one called Night of Something Strange. And I, I think we're going to review that because Todd and Joe haven't seen it. And it's a fucking wild film. So it's something I think we definitely need to discuss. I think it would be a really, really fun episode. And those who watch it during the screening know exactly what I'm talking about. So we're, we're talking like Greasy Strangler level of crazy and fucked up. So uh, that'll be fun. And this month, speaking of which, we picked the movie and the Greasy Strangler is actually the one that we're going to review on the last Friday of this month. I'm psyched about it. You know, I've seen it like three times at this point, but I can always watch it again. And it's going to be fun to watch it with people who haven't seen it. I think like the majority of people that are there haven't seen it. So I think that's going to be super cool to see it kind of the reaction of people as they watch this just absolutely crazy film. So if you want to join that, definitely hit us up for a link and we will send it to you. Yeah, that's that's a perfect movie to watch with a, a group of people. So if you haven't joined the Discord, this is really the, the perfect time. Come and join the movie club. Watch The Greasy Strangler with all of us. It's going to be so much fun. I was pulling for Rectuma. After Steve made me watch it last year, I mean, that movie, I think it's 
fucking a crazy movie to watch with a group. It'd be so much fun. Maybe even more fun than the Greasy Strangler in some ways. <laughs> Other ways, maybe not so much. But oh, man, if you've never seen that movie, you, you got to watch it. Speaking of which, I'll be talking about my Punishment movie later on. I finally watched Pappy's Graveyard three months or six months too late. But I finally did watch it. Steve, did, did Steve, did you were able to watch the doll? You were able to watch your punishment? No, movie I'm waiting. Wait till I, Todd comes I, back. I, I'm doing till, well, till, yeah, I'm waiting for Todd for that one because he's also watching it. So I figured we review it together. Just like yeah. I watched Pappy's Graveyard like fucking full five months ago. <laughs> so we can talk about it uh, during this episode. That's next segment. First, we're going to start with questions. I'm not going to ask all the questions right away because some of them are menu related. So I'm going to wait for those ones uh, at the end of the show. But we do have some. A lot of culinary questions today, tonight, Joe. So that's going to be interesting. You can ask us those questions on social media at the Horror Squad podcast, or of course, the Discord, which we can't say enough good things about. Great community over there and completely free and really fun to join. People are very welcoming as well if you're shy or anything like that. It's, it's a really great group. First series of questions is an audio question. Of course, that means it's from Chuck. So Chuck, what is your question? Hey, Horror Squad, Chuck here with a few questions. First question, if you were given the chance to study under a master for a day, or at least watch them work for a day, who would be the master that you went and observed? Much like the one guy did the chef in the menu. Like any master? Yeah, I, I don't think he necessarily means culinary master. Um, right, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, Savini, like, immediately comes to mind. I mean, I think that would be amazing, learning some, like, you know, makeup and stuff, techniques from him and stuff like that. And then the second person that came to my mind, I don't know where is Master Splinter. I mean, come of on. Course. I mean, you can't learn it's any better kung fu <laughs> than from yeah. Splinter. But also, uh, I just wanted to mention, Chuck, always amazing to hear your voice. But I'd love to hear more people's voices out there. So if you ever do want to send an audio question, we do accept them. All you got to do is just send us a DM and... Uh, do it that way but yeah i'd love to hear some more of our listener voices because i know you all got lovely beautiful sensual voices and we want to hear them on the show yeah absolutely my first thought was also tom savini just because i mean he's such a master at his craft and the amount of movies he's worked on is just insane and of course he has a full school so obviously he knows how to teach you stuff if you're going to spend a night a day with the master but also carpenter because not only is, a, is he a great director, but he's also like a composer. Like he could show you different aspects of film that a lot of other uh, creative minds couldn't. A lot, a lot of them are kind of one thing, whereas he can show you a bunch of different things. I mean, he's been an actor, you know, of course, in body bags. Uh, so director, writer, composer. I mean, damn, you know, I think being under John Carpenter's wing would be fucking awesome. So that would be probably my choice. But Savini is a great one, too, because, I mean, he's a master. So, Chuck, what is your second question? Second question, what would be on your tortillas? Ooh, I don't know. That's <laughs> a good question. Ah, God. Well, it was, all, well, it was, it was everyone's, like, dirty little secrets, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah kind of, right? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Nothing's really coming to my head right now or nothing I'd care to admit. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably my porn past. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, would be all over those tortillas and um, that would probably be the the top thing i guess nothing too crazy but yeah it would be basically a collection of like pornos you know from my past so <laughs> that would probably be my tortillas it'd be awkward at the <laughs> table but it is what it is i own it i did it i moved on so so shall we and chuck what is your final question last question 
If you were put on the spot to make one dish to save your life, what dish would you make? What is your specialty? Thanks, guys. I look forward to the episode. Have a good one. Oof. I'm not definitely not one that cooks very often and cooks well, but I think I'd make a pretty good chili. So I think that would be, you know, my, my go-to dish. Also, maybe some chicken wings. I've, you know, I've done some chick, some pretty good chicken wings here and there, but chili would be my number one choice. Awesome. I'm kind of the same way. So I do most of the cooking, but when it's something really like complicated, then that's when my wife does it. So I keep to the simple things. But if I had to, you know, gun to the head, what's your best thing? I'm very good at grilling steak. You know, I just know when a steak is done to the, you know, with the way that you want it, which should be medium rare. You know, if you're above medium rare, I, I definitely give you a look while I'm doing it. So uh, I would say ribeye steak with mashed potatoes would be my culinary dish that I would put up as to save my life. So yeah, definitely. So thank you, Chuck, for the questions. So going on to our Discord now, where a bunch of people asked us some questions. The very first one is from... Cody, odd job versus 007. If we form a cult, who would be our leader and what would our rituals be? So I'm assuming he means the Discord. <laughs> so if our Discord group were a cult, who would you name as leader and what would the rituals be? Um, definitely Steve, for sure. You know, he definitely is the leader of that Discord. As far as what would our rituals be? I mean, the movie club. Right, yeah, monthly you, movie uh, club. You, you would you would be forced to watch bad movies <laughs> all the time, like just the absolute worst trash. If that poster looks amazing, but you've never heard of that title before, and you've probably seen eight posters that are exactly the same with a different title, you're watching it, and that's yeah, part of, that's just part of the rules. Perfect. Yeah. See, I I would go Joe because I see him kind of as the leader of this podcast, so <laughs> I think he would be our cult leader, and it'd be a similar thing. You know, he'd make us watch horror movies all the time make sure you collect you know get some good autographs in uh, maybe yep. some you know cosplay because he's big into the he says <laughs> sure. he's not he says he's not big into the cosplay but <laughs> you see all these pictures of him you know wearing like drag and stuff like that at, at con right. so <laughs> there's definitely some cosplay involved in joe's uh, reign yeah. of terror <laughs> yeah his next question have you guys ever become disenchanted from something that you once loved Ooh. Great question. You know, yeah, I guess so. Like, I was super into Batman for like a long time, and I was like really big into collecting it. Then I kind—I mean, I still really enjoy Batman, but I just don't. I kind of fell out of the whole collecting of it. That is mainly probably more because of Room. And I've also become disenchanted slightly in horror collecting as well. Like, it's—I've slowed down massively on it. It's not as passionate as I once was with collecting and that's also because of room i'm sure when we buy a house hopefully within the next year that might change again but yeah i mean i i've slowed down kind of but i've gone for more high-end items now so like i'm kind of i kind of wait and save up and whatnot so you know i've kind of moved on to like a, a different form of collecting i guess but you know i think you go on ebbs and flows i think that's just a normal part of life really yeah i'm kind of with you on the collecting me it's not so much a room issue but rather just like i don't want cheap shit anymore you know my my days of cheap shit have like passed me by like i have a, i have a lot of filler 
you know, like Funko yeah. Pops and cheap, like, fucking things I got in, like, mystery boxes, you know, like, props and stuff, but they're really, like, shit looking. And I'm just over that shit, you know? Now I'm trying to buy better things that look really cool and that yeah. aren't just filler, essentially, right? Um, yeah. Like, I, like, even, like, to me, like, NECA stuff now is, like, boring me, like, a little, you know, slightly. Like, you know, once in a while, if a more obscure character comes out or something different, I'm really into it. But, like, yeah, like, lately I've been on, like, Etsy a lot. Like, I'm looking for more stuff, like, made by artists that's, like, really high quality and stuff like that. So the more mass-produced stuff I've, like, completely kind of turned away from. Yeah, and ironically, I've started this thing, which is, thank God, where I don't start collections anymore. <laughs> Because I know that my brain is going to make me want everything in that collection. So I'm just not buying things that are part of giant collections. So I'm kind of, that's why I'm happy I'm getting rid of most of my Funko Bops and stuff like that. Like I'm keeping a few that I really like, but it's not something I'm doing much anymore. And now I really want to get into like the real shit. Uh, I'm starting to save up for like legit props and that kind of stuff. So that's where I'm heading towards that. As far as to answer his question, I would say pro wrestling. I was a diehard pro wrestling fan. I mean, in the Attitude Era, the, like the 90s, early 2000s, because let's face it, it was fucking amazing and random. And you had to watch it like live because you talked about it to all your friends, you know, the next day on Tuesday. And it was just like such an event. Whereas now I just barely watch it. Now, I watch a lot of old stuff. Like I love all the interview shows and the, you know, like uh, what's Dark Side of the Ring, which might come into play next week somehow <laughs> and stuff like that. So I like to look back on kind of my era of wrestling, but I don't watch any of the new stuff unless it's maybe a big event. So that's probably the biggest one that I got disenchanted with. Are you going to watch Royal Rumble this month, though? Uh, I don't have... So it's it's on Peacock. We don't have Peacock up here. Mm. And I just don't want to put like $10 a month on you know, <laughs> WWE Network because I wouldn't watch it. I had it right. for a while and it's just I wasn't watching it, right? They're, all the stuff that I watch is either on YouTube or on Tubi or on Crave, or, you know, so... Probably not. I'll, I'll yeah. definitely read the results and see who came up and see the clips on YouTube of like big returns or anything, but I won't actually watch it. I don't think. Yeah. I did see a new season of legends is coming out on A&E. Yep. See that really that, good that, show. So I'm that excited that for watched. that. <laughs> and also the one that appeals to our collector's heart, WWE treasures is coming back in February. Nice. And I really like that show. I just, yeah, again, it's a fun it, show. it comes to the nostalgia and the collecting. So it kind of itches both. Uh, I really wish mm -hmm. they did a horror. We talked about this, I think last year when the last mm -hmm. show came up, but I wish they did a horror version of the same thing. So yeah, well, they did, they did that one show. Remember that, watching well, yeah, one, that one, one show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like did. one episode on Tubi or something like that. And it was pretty good. And that was, that was it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So bringing something like that back where people hunt, you know, lost, horror treasures i think that'd be fucking amazing i think it would be perfect for that is, is sean clark because like he has yeah. an amazing collection and he does those specials on his youtube channel where like he goes to like a lot of filming locations like that so i think he could like really do something really cool with like fellow collectors and stuff like that so yeah m most of the youtube i watch are people like that know him <laughs> you know mm -hmm. like Grim yeah. life collective adam mm -hmm. the woo uh like scott on tape all those people who basically do film locations and a lot of horror and stuff like that so yeah, that'd be awesome for sure. He's got a great collection, so that'd be yeah, fucking fantastic. Speaking of horror YouTubers too, Dead Meat. I saw that. I don't know if you like watch them at all, but they just interviewed. They got to interview uh, James Wan and Jason Blum for wow. Megan. I was like, wow, that's like fucking big. That guy got big time all of a sudden. Seriously, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. One day, one day, Joe. One day we'll. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
I'm pretty happy with the like random people that we get from time yeah, to time. Yeah. So it's fun. I'd be too nervous to interview like James Wong. Someone, yeah, someone really, really big like that. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Cody, for the questions. Moving on to Patty. If you guys were invited to a similar situation, what would you guys do? So if you're invited, but let's take out the horror out of it. Okay. Uh, you get an invitation. You're going to an island to experience a, you know, like a, the fanciest restaurant in the world. Uh, would you go? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, I wouldn't appreciate it, you know, as much for sure. I'd be definitely more of like uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's character there where I'm just like, what the, what's the big deal? But yeah, I'd be cool. Like, I'd be in, like, I'd enjoy it. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get it though, you know, like a lot of the stuff he was doing. I'd be like, what the fuck? But yeah, 100%, I would try it. Yeah, I'm the same way. You know, I, I like to experience like weird shit and new shit. And so I think it'd be cool. But I'd definitely in the category of people who eat not taste you know like so it's it would definitely be lost on me as well but I, I like to do stuff that's out of my comfort zone too sometimes so i think this would be a really cool opportunity of course you know doesn't end up well but <laughs> taking that out it'd be pretty cool speaking of restaurants what's your favorite restaurant to go to and what was your favorite restaurant you grew up Ooh, favorite restaurant like i currently go to or ever went to both why not both and, and okay. when you grew up, if it was something different. When I grew up. Mm, I mean, growing up, you just want something like really basic. So like Pizza Hut, <laughs> you know, like I would love going to Pizza Hut when I was younger. Now, best restaurant I ever went to. God, that place we went to in Disney was really good that they like fed us like kings. <laughs> uh, Ohana. Ohana. Yeah. yeah, that that was really amazing as far as like favorites around here there's like a really fancy place called ledger we go there for like really special occasions and the food there is like amazing we're actually going there for valentine's day this year so i'm excited for that as far as like everyday food there's a place called gallo narrow good little italian place that we like so yeah. nice when i was growing up my dad every friday would hang out with his friend and his kids and we'd go to an italian restaurant called Plastaveri. And the inside of it looked like you were in a castle. So it was like uh, stone walls, you know, um, medieval armor and uh, like flags and drapes and all that stuff. Like it looked like you were in a castle and it was great Italian food. I'd have, you know, every time I'd have a cheese pizza there and I fucking loved it. And I know it's super random, but the old Italian guy that ran the place would always give us a bazooka gum as we're walking out. And even though bazooka gum like loses his taste in like three seconds, it was just special, you know, because it was like, okay, this is our Friday ritual. And I really enjoyed that place for a long, long time. As far as uh, now, I, I agree with Joe, actually, Ohana is like my favorite restaurant in the world, which is why when we went to Disney, that was like where, where I definitely wanted to go because it's such a, it's so fucking good there. It's expensive, but it's really, really good. And other than that, locally, we had, it just closed recently and it broke my heart but a place called Sushi Village. Um, it's one of those like all you can do is sushi where they bring you, you know, you like, you, you get a card and you kind of write what you want and then they bring it to you and then you can get as much as you want. Um, I fucking love that place, but unfortunately it didn't make it. And now we're looking for a sushi replacement. We haven't found one yet, but uh, that was definitely my favorite. So rest in peace, Sushi Village. You were awesome. So thank you, Patty, for the questions. Next one is from Weezerface. Molecular Gastronomy pretentious and overrated or worth the price i don't even know what that means <laughs> so i guess pretentious 
Yeah. So it's basically use, using like science to make food. Like they use uh, like uh, liquid nitrogen and all this other like really weird shit to extract flavors from, you know, different elements and stuff like that and make this really like upscale food. There's like great videos about it on YouTube. I watched like a show on the Food Network where they were kind of explaining what it is and stuff like that. It's really impressive. But to me, it's essentially a gimmick, right? Like it's, it looks cool, but I don't think it'll be that amazing. And they're very small portions for what I've seen. So I would say probably pretentious and overrated, but it's cool. You know, it's something different if you're into that kind of stuff. Next ones are from Caleb. Oldie but goodie. What's on the menu for this viewing? We need Sam for this question. This is an old Sam question. Yeah, something really pretentious, obviously, like we were just talking about. If we're for this movie, for sure, I don't know, escargot, something okay. like that. That's right. <laughs> so, um, I, I built a little menu for this. So, I'm not a fancy person whatsoever, but if someone asked me, I want to have a fancy dinner that you're cooking tonight, this is what I would put on the menu because this is about as fancy as I get. So, my amuse bouche, so it'd be escargot gâtin would be my escar uh my amuse bouche which is basically snail with like garlic and butter and cheese is basically what that means then my appetizer would be calamari which i love then for the dinner or the entree it'd be lobster tail with filet mignon steak on a bed of mashed potatoes and finally for the dessert it would be lava cake with fried ice cream so that's about as fancy as i'm gonna get for <laughs> for this for this menu i guess sounds lovely his next question thoughts on restaurants that are more about the experience and quality rather than portion and qual uh and quantity hmm. it's not even our podcast tonight it's just a culinary show but hey that's what that's what the people want you know sometimes quality over quantity is a good thing other times not so much so i think it just depends uh, on the place i am totally fine with having smaller portions if the food is top-notch quality so yeah yeah i i agree with that it really depends you know like more food does not equal better <laughs> so if you have better food that's smaller then that's fine but speak. Let, let, let's bring it to horror a little bit, just to, you know, between these culinary questions. Have you ever been to a horror-themed restaurant? You know, not that I can think of. I went. There was something like semi-horror in New York City. I went to. It was called Jekyll and Hyde's, and they had like a sort of spooky theme in it, where like things would come to life and kind of do like little things and pictures on the wall would change. So it definitely had like a spooky aesthetic. I wouldn't call it straight horror, but it was, it was pretty cool. Our good friends from the crypt, hopefully they'll be opening their horror theme restaurant soon, which they are looking for a new investor, by the way, if anyone's interested in that, you can go search the crypt, but they are looking for, you know, an investor to, to come in because they, uh, they parted ways with their former uh co-owners and stuff like that so good opportunity there for anyone looking to, to slide into the culinary business as far as that i know there's that place uh, that place out in las vegas that christy from nightmare toys owns there which looks pretty cool they just opened last year and then there's another one like in ohio but other than that i don't know of too many horror themed restaurants out there 
And so I've been to one. It was like a horror murder mystery evening type of thing. Uh, I They were a little light on the horror, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Like the lights would flicker from time to time and actors would come in and do like this little thing. But there's nothing like noises would happen, like the door would shut and nothing too crazy, you know. It was cool. I mean, if I'm going to go to a restaurant, horror themed is definitely going to be better than not horror themed. But outside of that, things that kind of like skirt into horror but aren't quite horror... Uh, of course, there was Monsters Cafe, Universal Studios for a super long time, which Joe just missed by like a couple months. But that was not a horror menu. It was just basically monster, Universal Monster themed within the restaurant. We did a Scare Actor Diner. So I guess that was technically horror themed, but that was just Michael Myers in an Italian restaurant, basically. <laughs> Nothing too crazy with that either. There was also Sci-Fi Dining Theater, which is it's like horror slash sci-fi, which I know Joe also did. What did you think of that Yeah. One? I loved it, actually. I didn't really think of that, because like you said, it's more like, it's like horror adjacent. It's like close, but not quite. But yeah, that place is amazing. I couldn't, if you ever go to Disney, I, I really couldn't recommend that place enough. I think it's it's awesome. The food is like, okay, but the experience is what you're paying for, and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I've actually watched some of the movies that they showcase on the screen while you're at the Sci-Fi Diner, because it is like, it's kind of that 50s, like, low-budget sci-fi slash horror so it's actually pretty cool and finally i know that the restaurant is not horror it's the beauty and the beast restaurant uh, uh be our guest but if you ask to go to the west wing which is beast like kind of haunted section of the castle uh, it's pretty like horror in there like it's pretty crazy uh you see like a a slashed painting of the beast which every once in a while lightning like hits the room and then it changes from his like regular face to his beast face and uh like all the drapes are like fucked up and shit like that and it's dark and it's actually pretty cool in there and then there's also an interactive rose that's like slowly losing its petals so you know i'm surprised they don't have like a haunted mansion theme restaurant with how popular the haunted mansion is and they have like areas around there that like restaurants that probably aren't as popular and if they turn it into a haunted themed mansion like it would probably do like amazing for the longest time they didn't even have a store mm. it, there was a booth outside of the haunted mansion like exit queue that sold like a couple haunted mansion things and that was it uh, but a few years ago they opened that store memento mori so maybe you're right like it's all it's more like historical there. That's kind of where the Hall of Presidents are and stuff like that. But they could definitely do a Haunted Mansion restaurant. And I think it'd be super popular because oh, like yeah. you said, people fucking love the Haunted Mansion. So Right. Same with Tower of Terror too. Like I know you said that oh, they mentioned God, yeah. doing the bar and then they didn't end up doing it, but that would have been awesome too. Uh, when, that, when a guy told me that, I got so excited and they like <laughs> canceled it, unfortunately. And that's, that's a bummer. another thing that it used to be that store was all uh, Tower of Terror right? Which made mm -hmm. sense. But now it's like a small tower tire section and just random shit, like random Disney shit. And I hate that. Like it takes me out of the illusion that I'm in this like, you know, haunted hotel. But anyway, uh, so moving on to his last question. That cheeseburger, of course, talking about the menu, looks so damn good. How much are you paying for that? As Jules would say, tasty burger. Yeah, that yeah, that did look like a really tasty burger for sure you know i would expect to pay 20 to 25 dollars for a burger like that at a normal restaurant at this guy's restaurant maybe 40 to 50 you know but yeah i mean what would i actually pay for it i'd pay like 25 bucks for that thing it looked really fucking good yeah i think for a burger like 30 is my limit <laughs> you know yeah. I, I think that's 
if I'm going above 30, I'm going to steak. You know, I think there isn't a burger out there that's worth more than 30 USD to me, but uh, it looked good. Sure. But still a burger that I can probably get something pretty good for 10 bucks, you know, uh, nearby on a grill outside of a fucking, you know, store. So you never know. Thank you for the questions. Moving on to Eric. Why do they pronounce it Rafe when it's actually Ralph? Which is it's uh, not. It's it's not. It's Rafe. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's spelled Ralph. A R A T H. Right. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's. Where is he from? Is it like how they pronounce? Like he's not American, right? Uh, I assume I he's so. from some other country. So I guess it's just how they pronounce. It. I don't know. You'll have to. We'll have to get him on the show and we can ask him or uh, send him a message, Eric, and, uh, you know, we can find out. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, His next question. Who are your favorite newer female badass in horror? Your Mount Rushmore of horror ladies, if you will. Samara Weaving, Anya Taylor-Joy, Jenna Ortega. I'm not sure who I would put as my fourth. I haven't seen Pearl yet, but Mia Goth is a possibility. So is Lauren Lavera, especially if she continues on with the Terrifier franchise. What do you think? Sure, sure, yeah, great choices. Obviously, we're going like really current, newer, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Samara Weaving definitely. That's a she's probably near the top right now, and Jenna's still creeping up there, maybe to pass her. Who's the third one? Who do you throw out there for the third? It was. Um... Anya Taylor Joy, of course. Anya Taylor Joy, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, she's she's been great. You know, The Witch and uh, what was that one last year that was really fucking good? Yeah, that last one. night in Soho. <laughs> last, yeah, that last was night in Soho. Yeah, that was great. And then she's got this. Yeah, she's becoming a definitely her own thing. Lauren Levera is a great choice, but she's only done the one so far. You know, I think Mia Goth is probably the obvious choice right now. Uh, I would throw out Rebecca Hall too, but I feel like she's like niche she's doing right more, now, right? more yeah she's doing more like thrillers rather than straight horror so i don't know if she would be a, a fair one to put on there yeah other than that there's no one that uh i think is out there that's really jumping out to me though yeah the two that i wrote down which are i don't think are there yet but can definitely be there is um jasmine savoy brown which i think could get there you know if she continues doing horror films and stuff like that and uh, sadie sink from Stranger Things. She was also in uh, Fear Street. And I think she's got other stuff upcoming that's in the horror genre. I don't remember what, but I know I saw her in some trailers for 2023. So I think she can get there as well. Sure. Yeah. She'd be, yeah, she, she's a good one. Who'd be on there for the men? Ooh, like men, man. I, I say every year at every year end show, <laughs> men are slacking. Like you guys got to fucking pick it up because there ain't no good men <laughs> you know like there aren't a ton of men i, I mean david, david howard thornton i guess like he's art sure. right he's, yeah. he's the, he just did the grinch movie which i heard was awful but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know he's 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 killing it as art you know but yeah, yeah. like other, other than that like i mean does daniel kaluuya but that's count, what i was thinking i guess, like, I guess so right it's kind of yeah. within the last 10 years <laughs> right uh but he's only really done those two films right you know i'd like yeah, to see him is- outside of he hasn't done much horror, like outside, outside he of Jordan do horror, Peele. Yeah, outside of Peel. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Skarsgård. Yeah. Yes. No, you know, uh, uh, yeah. Marion. Yeah, I could definitely and, see Skarsgård as a, as a potential, but yeah. Definitely not as a, a, as big of a field 
I would yeah. say, you know, the, I always struggle with my best performance for a man and I have yeah. like a ton of choices that I can't pick which one for a woman. So, well, I mean, as far back as, you know, Hari really started, it's always really been about the women anyway. They've always mm-hmm. been, you know, the final girls and everything. So, you know, it's always been a favorable to the, to the actresses anyway. So. Yeah. Because yeah. if you think of most of the famous men in horror, they're all with in makeup or a mask, right? Right. There's not a ton of them that are other than Bruce Campbell, maybe. Uh, how many can you point to where people would recognize their face that aren't horror fans? Right. Probably not a ton. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I mean, Robert Absolutely. England at this point, probably because you know he's been around so much, but not a ton of them. So I, I, you agree? I agree. Females are kind of the face of horror in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And his last question: If you had to eat human. What part would you choose? Well, in Alive, they did. They started with the butt. Yes, yeah. So that's so, where the fat is. That's where. That's that's where I'm going, I guess. Yeah, that's exactly my thing. I immediately <laughs> went to Alive, yeah. and you eat the pilot's ass, and <laughs> that's where you go. You go from there. Yeah. There you go. There's a lot of it. It's probably like bacon tasting. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. <yeah>. sure. <laughs> so there you go. Next would question. you? Would you? Would you legit try human? Like if like in that situation? Like... Yes. Would I but in, like go to a culinary like, restaurant and be yeah. like, oh, there's human on the menu? Uh, no, I wouldn't. I just can't. It's fucked up, but I think I would. Because I'd be really? like, I have to. I'd be like, I have to try this. Like, I, it's just like, it's there. Like, I was like, when will I ever have the opportunity to try like human again? So I'd be like. Any time, really. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'd be like, let's, like, let's try it. Like, right. Like, I'd be so curious, you know, that if that opportunity arose. I would right. try it. <laughs> I, I, there's a lot of stuff I wouldn't eat. Like you go to all these like different countries where they have, you know, different types of food. And I just would not, I wouldn't eat tarantula. I wouldn't eat scorpion. I wouldn't eat uh, dog. I wouldn't eat cat. I, you know, there's a lot of things that I would, and human definitely being among those <laughs> things I would not try. Um, I'd try it. If anyone wants to, uh, you know, send me a little in a box, I'll, I'll give it a try. Right. <laughs> All right. And the last series of questions. End up in prison. Right. <laughs> uh, and the last series of questions uh, for now, because there are a few more for the menu that are specifically related to the movie later. Uh, they're from Shaylin. Have you guys ever been to any event that was this fancy or exclusive? If so, what was it like? If not, would you? Uh, definitely not. Nothing even comes close. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, the close, I mean, the fancy thing I've done is where they come by and they like, clean your table off with that special little tool to get the breadcrumbs off that's a that's the fanciest thing i've ever done i think would i absolutely yeah i wouldn't pay for it yeah, exactly. I, would, yeah, I, would, exactly. I ain't paying i ain't paying three to whatever what did they pay in this wasn't it like thousands yeah it was thousands i don't remember the yeah. number but it was yeah it was significant yeah no 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 chance like i'm not that much of a foodie right i have and so I've been to weddings that were like really fancy. Like I went one to the Von Trapp Lodge in Stowe, Vermont, which was super crazy, like, uh, you know, kind of fancy and stuff. But one that really sticks out in my mind was at the California Grill at Disney World, which is on the top of the Contemporary Resort. Now, it's not like the fanciest restaurant ever, but it's like you need to have, wear a certain attire and you go up there and you, it's just like all wines on the wall and that kind of shit. And I went one time in particular with my wife. And we look around and we are like, we do not fucking fit here at all. You know, even though we're dressed like, I guess, business casual is what they were expecting, you know, like a golf shirt and pants and stuff like that. Uh, the people 
that were there around me were just not my type of people. They were like the stereotype of what you would expect, you know, like uh, beige pants, a baby blue shirt with a pink like cardigan around their neck uh, type of look, you know. And there was this one guy in particular that we were almost laughing at because he was such the idea of that stereotype of like the rich white boy asshole, you know? And he had this look of this pretentious fucking prick. And we we kept talking about it. Like, obviously not so anyone hears us, but like, oh my God, that guy, I would never want to meet that guy. He's probably a dick. He's probably... And as we're, we're like about to pay, he walks by us. He sees that we had our anniversary button. He's like, oh, happy anniversary. Pays for our fucking meal. I'm like, God damn it. Like, turned out to be the nicest guy ever. And on the elevator down, I was standing next to a senator, a U.S. senator. I don't remember which one it was. This is probably like 2012, 13-ish. Like, I don't know my U.S. senator. I know some of them, unfortunately, but I don't know them all. But it was cool just to talk to a U.S. senator and thinking like, wow, this was pretty exclusive looking place. But it's not for me. It's We did it because it was a fancy anniversary and we just wanted to try it. Nice. Mm -hmm. U.S. Mingling with the senators. Yeah, well, I do that in Canada a lot. Like, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. part of Parliament, but <laughs> I guess because it was US for me, it was different, you know. And the final question for now what would have been your personal escape plan? So, from the, the menu restaurant, I mean, how can you escape when you're on an island? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think you, you know, you're pretty stuck there. Would your escape plan be to do nothing and <laughs> just sit there and take it? I mean, no, definitely not, right? Like, I mean, but those people, they didn't have a choice. Like, they, you know, they they were basically being held hostage. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess jump in the water and swim, but you're going to fucking die. You know what I mean? So I don't know. There's really no, you're, you're pretty stuck. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would think, I don't know, you know, but I would think that I would at least make an attempt to escape. Like, I would John McLean that shit, <laughs> like hide somewhere and pick them off one by one until that, it's it's over but uh who knows you know when you're faced in reality versus what you think in your head is it's probably different but i would at least try something i would think if i knew for sure i was going to die anyway i at least attempt something you know to get out but we'll get into all that when we do uh, the review later so that's it for the questions right now like i said we have a few more questions related to this menu specifically so before we get to our next segment we're going to take a little break here and have some deadly grounds coffee Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. All right. Thank you, Deadly Grounds. Hell's Fury, my favorite brand. Joe recommendation right there if you're buying a new Deadly Grounds coffee. But for now, Steve, what you been watching, buddy? A lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I said it before. You know, I worked so hard on my 2022 list at the end of the year last year that I was really like holding off all of the schlock that I usually watch. But I'm back at it, baby. I am watching the schlock again. So when we did our uh, last hangout, we were, so it was the last month where we pre-watched the films as opposed to watching it, you know, live. 
but we still wanted to watch something together. And we we're going through Tubi and trying to pick something. And this one caught my eye because of the title. I'd never heard of it. So I decided to check it out. It is 1972's The Night of a Thousand Cats. And it's just a poster with a ton of cats on it. So I, I, I had to check it out. So this is about a guy who he owns it like a castle and he goes and picks up women in his helicopter. Like, I'm not even kidding you. This guy jumps in his helicopter, try, like, you know, flies it himself. He, he finds women in the middle of like the city or in a town or like at their houses and shit. He'll lower his helicopter while they're by the pool and all their shit is like flying everywhere and like their towels are fucking flying off. And he tries to lure them into his helicopter to come back to his castle so he can like, you know, basically fuck them and woo them and all that stuff. And it actually works sometimes, you know, I guess people are lured by the mysterious dude in a helicopter. But it, there's so many awkward scenes where he's just going down to these pools trying to lure women and they say no and he go back up and he goes to another pool and it's, it's the weirdest fucking thing ever so anyway uh so the story picks up that he does pick up a few of these women he brings them to the castle and then after like you know having sex with them and doing stuff he decides he wants to show them his collection which he does and it's a collection of heads that he's been saving in like these tubes with um alcohol in them and then he kills them keeps their head and feeds the rest of the cats, which he says is a thousand cats, but it's really like 200 if you're like looking at it. And that's basically rinse repeat. That, that's what the whole film is. He goes in his helicopter, picks up a woman, brings her, kills her, you know, and then a few other things like happen throughout the film. It's a weird fucking movie. Like it's so odd. There's a little bit of animal cruelty in it, which I never like, but spoiler alert. He does get his due. <laughs> the, the cats do get their revenge at some point. And yeah, it's a really weird one. I don't know if I'd recommend it. That's called The Night of a Thousand Cats. All right. <laughs> Is that on Tubi? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Lovely. Well, I only got one tonight, and it's also over on Tubi. Apparently, they'll throw anything on there. Uh, this was a punishment movie for me from a while back, and I finally got myself to watch it and this one is called pappy's graveyard pappy's graveyard is a micro budget movie essentially it's on a seven thousand dollar budget here but yeah we got uh, our for farmer pappy who you guess it has a graveyard in his backyard uh and he uncovers some sort of artifact which you know in turn i i guess gives him like some sort of psychic powers i don't really know for sure um but uh, you know pappy he starts having these sort of telekinetic moments and then aliens show up out of nowhere and then it's pappy trying to fight off these intergalactic aliens to, you know save the day and save the world essentially this is to me bottom of the barrel i mean you know you got halloween masks halloween decorations that you'd buy at your local halloween shop you know an effort was made for sure but it just reminds me of if me Stephen todd went into our backyard grabbed some of our horror collection and and made a movie i mean so you know they had fun making it i'm sure but should this movie see the light of day other than their friends and family watching it? No, I, I don't think so. I, I, I am impressed though that like Tubi grabs, like does puts these movies on a format, which 
I mean, I guess is a good thing in a way. <laughs> I mean, good for these filmmakers to get, you know, these little micro movies seen by people like us. But, you know, was there enjoyment for me watching it? Not really. I mean, there's a couple of like funny moments. I, I enjoyed, you know, Pappy for the most part. I mean, but he's just an old man. Like, and is that his real wife too? I assume like probably. They, <laughs> it, <laughs> it just seemed like they were real husband and wife. I mean, it's the, the dialogue is just as dry as dry gets. You know, there's no sort of acting skills or chops. Like, I feel like this guy just got his grandparents to, you know, act in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I can't recommend this. I mean. The aliens like gave me a chuckle like they and the, it was a pretty cool mask like I'll give it that like the mask was kind of cool enough and when they talked when the aliens finally talk and stuff it's you know it was kind of funny but as far as like did I enjoy like Rectuma more which was another punishment movie I got I did yeah I thought Rectuma was actually the better movie because I actually found it funny this one I didn't find overly funny and it was just it it was like 90 minutes and it was kind of like after a while like it's fun for like the first 10 or 15 minutes and then just it kind of drains on you it was better than sharks of the corn though which we another terrible movie we watched last year (laughs) micro budget movie so as far as micro budget bad movies go you could do a lot worse than pappy's graveyard but would i recommend it to anyone absolutely not yeah i've been waiting like five months to talk about it but I can't add too much more than to it. I felt the same way than Joe did. It's funny, there are eight reviews for this movie on Letterboxd, and four of them I know for sure because of Todd picking it as a punishment for me and Joe and two people who listened to us talking about it. <laughs> so we gave it half the reviews on Letterboxd. And it's not Tubi that, like, you know, found this film and put it on. It's them that put it onto Tubi. So there's definitely a big difference. <laughs> I do appreciate the effort, though, because... They don't just do like normal filming shit. They do claymation. They do stop animation. They do fucking 3D effects with ghosts and stuff like that. So there is definitely an effort put into this. You know, it's not like they just film some stuff and stuck it on Tubi. So I do appreciate that part of it. But story is horrible. And the acting is just awful. Like Joe said, they just took their grandparents and you, you could tell that they're he, they're like feeding lines and they're just repeating the lines right after, you know, with absolutely no acting whatsoever. It's just the driest ever. But yeah, I, I've seen worse. That That's for damn sure. But there's also a lot better. Yeah, I wouldn't go out of my way to watch this one, but I definitely appreciate the effort. So you can just like upload a movie to Tubi? Yep. And like that's... It's yeah, there, there, there's huh? like requirements, but it's mostly technical requirements and okay. stuff like that. Uh, like for the credits have to have certain credits and you know it's like technical shit mostly but yeah you can basically put up anything on tubi nice so is, is uh has steven uploaded like his shorts on there or anything i don't think has so i i don't see any shorts on tubi okay. there might be some but i think you need a full length i think you need a minimum amount of time to be on gotcha. TV or something yeah all right I haven't looked well, too much we, into it, but one day I want to do something and put it on I was going to say, I, I think we not? have to make it a goal to do a Horror Squad movie and get it on Tubi. <laughs> Why not, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, if this movie can be on there, right. fucking, you know. <laughs> yeah, we could do better than this. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right, so my next one is a movie from 2021 that I watched over on VOD. Uh, this is one that I had missed during 2021 and i wrote it down when we finished our year end list and i just want to check it out and that's the deep house so this movie is about a couple who go to france to do kind of like urban exploring 
and they're also divers. So they hear about a house that's fully intact underwater. So they're obviously super fascinated by that. So they have a guy who knows about the house, bring them over to the lake where the house is, and they dive in and go check out the house. They have a you know, because they're diving, of course, they only have a certain amount of oxygen once they're in there. So they try to kind of get their shots in so he could put it up on his YouTube channel or whatever, his vlog that he wants to get it on. And I should actually mention that's uh, Mick Jagger's son that uh, I forget his name, but that's Mick Jagger's son who plays the lead in this. And yeah, so they go into the house and they start exploring. It's a really cool looking abandoned house underwater. And it's there's a lot of really awesome rooms in there. And I got to say that the underwater like haunted house feel is really awesome like it's an aesthetic that we don't see a lot of so i applaud it for that but of course you know ghost shit starts happening and they find bodies in there that come to life and then it kind of becomes this whole thing of them having to get out of the house before you know with a ghost or whatever uh, get them and try to keep them in the house forever uh, i thought it was a decent film you know i i I think it's a unique idea. So I always like to watch unique uh, films like this. And there are some pretty haunted images, but it's also not great. You know, there's, it's a pretty standard story. The, the, like the actual story itself is not that interesting. Once the ghosts come into it, it becomes kind of confusing. Like, what are they doing? Why are they there? It just, they try to explain it, but it doesn't really make sense. And I really wasn't invested in it. It did have a really short runtime. It's like an hour 20, which I love because it didn't feel long. Like by the time I was getting bored of it, it was almost over. So I always appreciate a shorter runtime. I know movies would have done this idea and made it two hours and that just doesn't fly. So I applaud for that. But overall, I think it's a dull movie. Uh, you know, maybe worth watching once, but nothing I would go out of my way to check out. So that's uh, The Deep House, which I saw on VOD. Alrighty, well that will do it for what watch. So let's get into it, folks. Our main event for the evening, 2022's The Menu. A couple travels to a coastal island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. Yeah, so, you know, the menu, we got Anya Taylor-Joy, whose character is Margot. And Nicholas Holt's character, who is Tyler, the two of them, they seem like uh, some sort of, you know, newish couple. He brings her along to this really fancy dinner where they have to get on a boat. They end up on this, this island. They meet all these other, you know, diners who are going to be dining in this, you know, really fancy, lavish dining room setting with this essentially like celebrity chef who's gotten super famous over the years and going to this island, you know, at three, four thousand dollars a head, whatever it is, is basically, you know, the thing to do. And, you know, he for this night, for, well, every, you know, night he I don't know if he does it like it's like a once a week thing, a once a month thing, not really super explained, but essentially, you know, he prepares special, really pretentious sort of style menu every single night and all these diners eat it up. And yeah, this night he has decided to go off the rails essentially and he does uh you know it starts really it's slow it builds up and yeah shit essentially hits the fan and we find out that he's essentially snapped and is planning on potentially killing these people this night and whatnot i mean we'll leave it at that and we'll discuss it as it goes along but that is essentially the gist of it 
So I guess I'll give my initial thoughts to start. Yeah, I mean, you guys heard uh, my basic thoughts last week or two weeks ago when we did our best of 2022 list. I was able to sneak this in at the last minute because I had read a lot of good reviews on it. I saw it made some top 10 lists. And yeah, it ended up making my top 10 list uh, at number nine because I thought it was a really good movie. I thought it was superbly acted, uh, especially by Ray Fiennes. I mean, I think he really carries this movie. Anya Taylor-Joy is always great, but the supporting cast is all really good in here as well. I liked the one theme setting for most of the movie too. I thought it worked well here. It's really hard to pull off one theme setting movies, and I know they do technically go into other things, but you know, 90% of this movie takes place inside that one dining room. And just like, I was just never bored. Like, and it's hard to pull that off in movies with one setting, but I was always interested to see what that next course was going to be. And they did a really good job at building the tension with each course. And it was all, you know, and it was just always subtle and it just kept building and building and you knew something was finally going to happen. It didn't get, you know, and I, I think it's a very good movie. Now, it didn't go higher on my list because I do have some issues with it, and I'll get into those issues after Steve goes. But overall, I, I thought it was really, uh, you know, a fun watch. It teetered really well, I think, between the comedy and the seriousness where it didn't get too goofy, even though it does get goofy at times. I think it's able to pull back and get back into the seriousness without pulling you out they're taking you out of the movie so yeah overall really enjoyed it so i had high expectations for this movie because so many people had put it very high on their top 10 list for 2022 and a lot of people hadn't seen it which is why it didn't ultimately make the ultimate list but i knew that once it came out like a kind of release like this i think it's in hbo max in the us and disney plus in canada that pe more people would see it and then we start seeing real like kind of more opinions about it so i went in expecting a lot and did i like it Yes. Yes, I did. I thought it was a really interesting movie. Did I love it? No, no, I did not. You know, it would have been like, a, you know, my top 25, not my top 10, you know, type of thing. I think the first half of the movie is fucking brilliant. You know, you're introduced to this island and it's mysterious. The like helps quarters are like, you know, very strict and interesting. And you're introduced to this maitre d which is super fascinating. Can't wait to hear what her story is all about. You know, very like, there's something going on. You know, immediately there's something weird going on here. And then you're introduced, of course, to this super interesting chef and this cast of characters who are going to have this experience of a meal. And you're, you're, you know, they're doing the courses and the courses all have this little like gimmick to them, which is super interesting. Like you said, I couldn't wait to see what the next course is and in between plates you're getting kind of more context of what's going on within the dining the diners and everything like that but then what and this is my biggest complaint it's i think it shows its cards too early because you know i'd say halfway through the movie that basically all these people are there to die and that kind of killed the experience for me because all I can think about after is like, what's the point of all this after this? You know, if they know they're going to die, why am I, why am I still watching this? You know, it just, then I started coming up with all these crazy theories because I'm thinking, why would they show these cards so early? There's got to be something else going on. So first I thought, 
okay, so maybe one of the diners here is the one who's actually getting the experience and everyone else is in on it. So I thought that. Or then I thought maybe this is the experience and only a couple people are in on it, like strategically placed. And the reason I thought that is because his mother is like there and she seems like bored almost because in my mind, she had seen all this before. It's just a normal night, you know, for her. Like, so she's not really kind of participating in the experience. But when you find out at the end, you know, spoiler, that it was just to kill everybody because he had snapped, I was like, it's just disappointed by that because that wasn't interesting. You know, that was what we knew about for the last hour. And that's where I think the movie hurt. Now there's a lot of cool things about it and I can't wait to get into the details of it. But overall, that's what hurt my experience of this movie. And that's why I liked it, but didn't love it. Yeah, and I, I actually agree with you. I think the weakest part of the movie is the ending, which is why I think like if this movie had like a great ending, it would have been like my number one, number two movie of the year. But that I felt like there was just something missing when we get to the the ending there, which is, you know, I think that's definitely the weakest part. There, you know, and there's the part we were talking about earlier, like why would you stand back and allow these things to happen? You know, why aren't you fighting more for it? Yeah, I mean, obviously you put yourself in that situation and everyone is going to react differently. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, especially like the very, very ending when we get to the s'mores, you know, like why are you just standing there, allow, sitting there, uh, allowing this to happen to you? I mean, do you just accept your fate? You know, you're gonna, you can't get out of it. It's kind of like speak no evil in some ways in a different way, obviously, like, they didn't fight or fly, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's fight or fly, but they didn't either, right? They just accepted it to happen. And yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting. And I think this movie does do a decent job, though, of masking it. Because like you said, I thought too for a while, maybe this is the experience, right? And like at the end, like they're going to pull the curtain back and it's like, surprise, like this was all kind of like his thing and no one's really dead and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, there's... <sighs> Yeah, there's definitely some interesting talking points here. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in this movie. You know, I, I think where this movie really takes off is the mess, I believe is the name of the course, where, you know, it was a jaw-dropping moment for me where, you know, they bring out this chef, talks about, you know, how he'll never be up to snuff and all this stuff and you know it's like really like you're like oh you feel kind of like bad for him and stuff like that and before that it's all like been very subtle but then he fucking pulls out the gun and, and blows his blows his brains out his own brains out and you're like what the fuck and i mean that i thought was brilliant i thought it was a brilliant scene i absolutely loved it and like after that like i felt like it should have ramped up more but it didn't it kind of like still kind of held back i i would have liked to have seen more of stuff like that because like i mean i don't want to you know, i'll leave it there and i'll let you hear your thoughts because i have like so many other things i want to talk about but yeah go for it yeah and that's why even though we're kind of past 2022 we really want to review this because there's so much depth to this what this movie reminded me of is midsummer like i couldn't get midsummer out of my head when i was watching this because it had a lot of the same story beats you know people who are kind of foreigners going into this land that has a very set type of rules you know as they're walking in they have they show like i said the kind of the quarters for the staff and then they show the mysterious house that the chef lives in and then they show the mysterious door that Anya Taylor George's character can't go through because it's a secret back there so they introduce a lot of this lore that made me think there was 
a lot bigger story here than what we were seeing, which I don't feel they ever really went into. Not, not to the level that I was expecting, kind of like Midsommar did, which is why I had it in my top 10 that year. And I feel like you said that the mess was kind of the same scene as the suicide in Midsommar, right? With the, the hammer, you know, finishing the person off and all that stuff. It had that same impact, which I agree was a great impact. And could have been explained as that was the one real thing for this performance where they find someone that wants to commit suicide for every, you know, performance. But that's a whole other thing. And also, there's also these like little points that I thought was pointing to this all being kind of a show. One, what's Annie Taylor-Joy's character's name? I, I don't want to keep saying the whole name. Yeah. Margo. Margo, thank you. At one point, Margo goes to the bathroom and she uh, steps on a toilet to smoke and she sees someone walking with the wings, right? And I thought to myself, okay, there, there's there's something here. So I thought maybe she would kind of like, because she's not supposed to be there, they established that pretty early, that she would be fucking up the performance somehow. And the chef had to kind of think on his feet and adapt. You know, it kind it's like a kind of chess game where she's kind of fucking up the performance and he's trying to keep it on track. And then it would come to a head at the end. But again, you know, that's nothing really that that showed. So it's just a lot of story beats that I feel could have made this movie go to another level and just didn't. Yeah, I, you know, I think there was definitely... They just didn't have enough time, right? I think there was a lot more layers to this story, like you said, because like this is a cult, right? Like at the end of the day, right? Like they all these people agreed to die for this chef. Like all these cooks, they were all living together, obviously on this island and stuff. And I mean, yeah, I mean, so it is a cult movie in a lot of ways. It's a different type of cult movie, obviously, but they all were in agreement that, you know, we're going to have a mass you know, essentially suicide and take these people, these other, you know, innocent people out with us in the process to make like a point. But who's he really making the point to, I guess, just like these few diners that kind of insulted him, I guess. So he was like, well, fuck you guys. Like, I'm going to take you out too. Cause you know, I, I mean, there's obviously a, like a lot of social commentary, you know, in this as well that the director wanted to throw in there. But yeah, I mean, I guess we can talk about the, quote unquote reveal twist of this movie as well. And that is we come to find out that Anya Taylor Joy's character, Margot, she wasn't dating Tyler, which kudos to Nicholas Holt. I thought he was great in this too for like his character. Like he just like he was always like so like you're like he just like was so obsessed like with this thing. It's like you see those type of people all the time, you know, like obsessed with these type of chefs and stuff like that. But like you get like the whole time like he didn't give a shit about her and you're like what like wow that's kind of fucked up like this is your girlfriend or whatever well you come to find out it's not his girlfriend she he she's actually um a prostitute that he hired to come with him because if he didn't he needed to bring a guest essentially um he was dating like another girl and we come to find out they broke up so he ends up, you know, doing the old bait and switch, hires this prostitute, brings her along, which is why Ray finds this whole time uh, is like, you know, she shouldn't be here. Why is she here? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's fucked up, right? You're bringing this girl, you know, you brought this girl to her death. She's innocent. And he and we come to find out, too, that Tyler knew that like this was going to happen. Right. And I mean, so like he was the only one out of this whole group that kind of knew that this was kind of going to be what was going to happen that night and he still goes comes anyway so i don't know what do you think about this whole sort of twist it didn't it didn't register with me at all you know it's, it's it was just like all right you know it, it didn't 
I don't think it added much to the story. Now, there's this whole idea of have and have nots, right? So, but really there isn't because his intention was to kill everybody. There just happened to be someone who shouldn't be there that he kind of shows mercy to. But that's it. That That's really all that whole thing was about, you know? She should have been used, I think, more effectively to really derail his plan because he, she doesn't really derail his plan that much other than the burger, which was kind of random. You know, she saw a picture of him flipping burgers. Like, yeah, every chef, fucking Chef Ramsay was probably, you know, doing flipping burgers at some point or doing something mundane it's not that big of a secret which is a whole other thing which i was talking about before with the secret door and it's it didn't really didn't lead to any big reveals you know that i was kind of expecting like i was hoping that the guy they killed at the beginning the boss like the you know the rich guy that they had the wings on would be like hanging out back there because his part was over you know like kind of again making it kind of a show as opposed to just this angry chef who, like you said, I, I don't really get his point. Like I get, okay, these are critics and they're they're not good critics and they've, you know, criticized some things probably wrongly, like that one girl smoked, so her palate is not clean. And I, I, I get all that, but it was like, who cares? He killed 11 fucking critics, like big fucking deal. You know, this super renowned chef, that's what he, that's his revenge. He kills 11 fucking, or not even 11 critics. Like some of them are just had a bad movie he didn't like. It was just so weird. Like, that's such a weird choice. So there's just a lot that, I don't know, that, that's my problem, right? There's so many issues that, like, I liked it. when, I, And that's the thing, right? Because I think about the courses, and I really like that that aspect, you know? That one thing that was on the rock, and you have the breadless bread and all. I thought it was super clever. I like the way they put the titles, you know, on each meal and stuff like that. But when you really, like, boil it down and start to critically think about this movie, it's where it falls apart for me. Um and that's yeah yeah i mean the cheeseburger thing right like it it makes sense is it random though like yeah absolutely but like obviously like she did did the cheeseburger thing to kind of outsmart him and bring him back to his his roots it made it it brought back it made him realize his passion for cooking which is why i think he obviously lets her go in the end but does he right because like there's did he poison the burger like some people question whether he did or not, we never really find that out. I don't think he did, personally. Uh, you know, I think he, he, she treated him like, you know, she challenged him, right? Like, and he appreciated that and respected her for it. And that's why, you know, he kind of, he lets her go, which, you know, the haves and the haves nots. She's, you know, a, quote unquote, a prostitute. She's more of the have not, you know, you know, maybe not a fair assessment, but in society, unfortunately, people look down on prostitutes for the most part. And for her kind of being the lowest class person, quote unquote, in this movie or the care of the characters, um, she's the one that outsmarts them all and gets away at the end, which, you know, obviously is, goes into the whole social commentary too uh, of this movie. So I mean, I liked that. I enjoyed all that. But like I said, I mean, there, you know, this isn't a perfect movie, though. Yeah, like, I think there is something missing here, you know, because like, I really wanted to like this more. And I, you know, I still, you'll, you know, hear my rating and it's still made. I still think it was one of the better, best movie, better movies of 2022. But I think, you know, there is an even better movie here, uh, you know, believe it or not. And, you know, so I am in agreement with you on that, Steve, for sure. So, I think to one of the other courses that I really like the idea of, 
but execution wise i thought was poor and that's the one where uh they go outside he separates them by gender and then they have to leave oh, 90 seconds to like get away and then they hide and then they bring like a meal to <laughs> like wherever they're hiding but that really doesn't go anywhere you know a lot of those people are just back at the restaurant <laughs> after so again it's like cool idea okay you're separating people by gender there must be a cool reason for that like why are you separating people by gender you know and that could have been part of the show like you know where he knows them so well because he does this research on everyone that was there which is why margot was such a like a mindfuck for him that he even knows where they're probably gonna hide and he built like a meal specifically suited for where he thinks they're gonna be like you have that one guy who's in the chicken coop and he feeds him like egg something right and I thought that was clever, where he does he's so good at doing his research on his guests that he can predict their actions throughout this performance. But no, that that's all my own fucking head. That's nothing that actually happens. They they run, which is a funny scene when he starts running like before the count. And then he he finds them, brings them back to the restaurant. Next course. And did I miss something there? No, and I I agree. I think we needed at least one or two people to die in that that uh you know specific course if you want if that's what we want to call it yeah it was a little lackluster like i was i thought it was a great build-up great start and then it just kind of like ends you know and you were on to the next course i i think it would have been more impactful if you know the last person or the first person that gets caught or something they they killed some way somehow or something so yeah i mean a good scene but could have been a great scene yeah and it's just like i love the tortilla scene i thought that was a cool one you know that just the idea of putting their kind of bullshit on their tortilla i thought that was hilarious i especially love that they put tyler taking pictures of the meal when he's not supposed to on the tortilla yeah i thought that was so clever but you know other than being like a cool idea for that meal doesn't really reveal much, you know, other than I guess they're watching, uh, which brings me to the Maitre D. I thought she would be kind of the kind of the key player in this whole thing, right? Because that's how it is at the beginning. She looks like she's a really key component to this how this whole operation works, and she's very on the ball. Uh, she makes like these side comments, and then eventually she's just disposed of, and you don't. That's it, you know. It's like we're done with that character. And which also points to me liking the first half way better than the second half because it showed so much promise and just didn't deliver on that. So what were your thoughts on the Maitre D's story arc? Yeah, I mean, I thought she was going to play, uh, you know, a bigger role as well, for sure. Yeah, I mean, she was just kind of his right-hand man and that was kind of it. You know, like every, I guess chef needs that type of person but yeah i mean i think we you know there could have been more layers there and i come back to i think it was a time thing like right i think there was more into this script maybe than we got in the movie but i mean do you really want like a three-hour movie you know so i think they had to make decisions i I go back to like midsummer right midsummer is a pretty tight movie that's almost a three-hour movie though yeah but there's movies that do warrant their time you know if they if you are some and i think that this movie maybe needed it but we can't excuse it for not putting in that time because you know yeah yeah fair enough i mean i i i agree like i think there's 
layers there that should have been explored more. Like, absolutely. You know, I, I think, I think we needed more backstory on these, you know, sous chefs and all that. Like I would have liked to have seen maybe flashbacks of kind of the chef, you know, kind of train. I don't know the right word here, just kind of sort of brainwashing, I guess these, for lack of a better word, these sous chefs and uh, you know, the maitre d' lady and stuff like that kind of showing why they would go along with him on this crazy journey he decides to take them on you know but i i mean i at the end of the day like i'm able to just kind of in my own head kind of put it together you know is that fair you know some people will do that some people won't i guess you know i was able to just be like okay well obviously something they were able to he was able to brainwash them some way somehow to go along with it so yeah i mean i was okay with it but would it have been a better movie if they explored it more yeah probably yeah, for sure. The last note I had that I wanted to talk about before we get to the questions is quote unquote Tyler's bullshit, which is what they call that course, right? <laughs> yeah. How did you feel about the whole Tyler arc where he puts him to the test and then he fails and then he kills himself? Were, yeah. Were you satisfied I, with that? I was. Yeah, I was. Cause, you know, he obviously like thought he was like this fucking like, God's gift to earth, like super foodie, knew everything, like, you know, and he didn't know shit. He was a complete fucking fake. And, you know, he got called out on it. And, you know, I mean, maybe killing yourself is a little fucking extreme, obviously, you know, like, but yeah, I mean, I liked it though. Like I thought it was, it was clever and a good way to go uh, about his character because he was such an unlikable character, you know, and you want, you knew that he wasn't going to know how to, how to cook, you know, and that he was completely full of shit. So yeah, I was cool with it. Yeah. It was probably one of my favorite things in the movie, just because like you said, he's, a, he's a very unlikable character and it was cool to see him tested and stuff. I do think suicide was a little much. It should have been something else, you know, like, I don't know, washing for like, he becomes a cult member essentially or something, you know, just something different than that. But yeah, and I, I thought it was funny that when they're presenting his plate, it's, it's written Tyler's bullshit as the uh, the name of that plate. So that's pretty much all the notes I had. Uh, did you have anything else before we yeah. get to the questions? Um, no, I don't think. I mean, did you like the final course? Did you like the whole fucking s'more? <laughs> uh, you know, kind of setting everyone ablaze. You know, in their little tin foil and. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it, was, it was cool to look at. Yeah, it was like kind of humorous, mm -hmm. but by that point, I was so disappointed in the movie that i was mm -hmm. kind of like okay you know it's why are they like just taking it there mm -hmm. it, it just didn't make sense to me you know yeah uh, so i was kind of more baffled as to this is what you're ending with rather than okay i'm gonna enjoy this final course you know uh, again another example of me eating rather than tasting because by that point it's just i was kind of over it you know it's like okay this is not at all what i thought this would be and i just don't understand why they were all killing themselves it was just this weird I, I don't think they earned that ending is essentially how i feel about it but it was definitely unique it was funny you know yeah i i felt like the ending was earned but i think they could have ended it better like I, I i do think this was the weakest part of the movie for me was the ending i i just think they could they could have did something i don't know what but like you said like i think they should have been fighting right i think they should have been fighting to get out and they do something like clever where they, they they're able to set the 
the place up while everyone's like screaming to get out or something like that. I think that would have been your better ending. Like you said, the fact that they're all just sitting there, they know they're about to fucking die. I mean, I guess some people would do that, but not all of them, you know, like not, not everyone's just going to accept their fate there. Like, you know, you, you got to at least try. So I, that I was definitely the more, the most disappointing part of the movie for me too. Did you have like a favorite, I guess, uh, side character in this, like of all the, the diners or patrons? I, I thought the group of three guys were funny because yeah. of how like kind of asshole-ish they were, but my favorite one, and I don't know how to describe him, but he was a secret agent on, um, ah, yeah. on prison break. <laughs> and he's like super pretentious. He's there with a beard and he's there with his wife, I think, or and they're two both like big critics. Uh, he made yeah. me laugh just because he's like that idea of that super pretentious critic. And so that was probably my favorite like side character. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I liked, I mean, I always liked John Leguizamo yeah, sure. in, in everything. <laughs> he, except, he was good. Except super Mario brothers. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he was good. I always like, he's all, he was a familiar face. I like to see him. Um, but I agree. I think the, uh, I like the critics. I thought, the, I thought they were the most interesting of the, of the bunch. Obviously the three like bros, who, you know, were obviously scamming, I thought had a pretty interesting rock too. The husband and wife, like they were kind of interesting, like, cause like they went every week and he's like, name one thing I've made you. And the guy couldn't name one thing, which I thought was, was pretty funny. So yeah, I mean, that's why I think like, it's all like a good cast characters. Is anyone like super memorable though, outside of uh, Anya Taylor and Ralph Fiennes and Ray Fiennes and um, Nicholas, Holt. Nicholas Holt's character? Probably not. No, like they could have been interchanged. But yeah, I mean, it was a solid uh, ensemble cast overall. Yeah, for sure. Let's get into the questions. So the first one is from David. What were your thoughts and interpretation to the lead chef whispering in Tyler's ear just before he killed himself? What do you think you told him? Yeah, good question. You know, I don't know, right? Like, I think maybe he just told him, like, how much of a failure he was or something like that you know i don't think like he specifically was like go kill yourself you know what i mean like i don't think so so i I think he said something obviously that set him off to make him want to do that so you know maybe like you'll never be me or like you know something like that yeah but he kind of tells him that like in public first right yeah right right. i don't know what extra he could have said maybe i don't know it's weird or maybe you like kill yourself before, or you're you're not worthy of my final. Yeah, true. You know, plate or whatever. Just right. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, that could that would work. Yeah, and he he continued the entire movie up to that point. I suspected he might be involved somehow, but then he was humiliated, rightfully so, I guess. And then he kills himself. So he asked, mm-hmm. "What could he have said to him that was so bad in that moment?" I think that's what it was. It was the ultimate insult. You're not worthy mm-hmm. of being in my final. Uh, tableau of food you know yeah all right and our last uh, series of questions are from marla it's creature feature 90 did anyone else think the burger was a trap so we talked about a little bit do you think it could have been a trap i kind of agree with you i don't think it was a trap i think it was the first time in a long time that he actually felt challenged because kind of the whole thing with him is that he doesn't feel engaged or challenged anymore. It's become routine and he's not excited about food anymore. And I think this request by uh, Margot is the first time that he's like, okay, 
you know, it's cheeseburger. That's a super simple thing. Everyone can make it. How can I prove that it's going to be the best cheeseburger ever? And I, I think that excites him for the first time in a long time. So yeah, I don't think he poisoned it. Yeah. Agreed. I, I don't think he did either. You know, is there a potential there? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it makes for a good discussion. I think you could make the argument that maybe it was, but me personally, I don't think so. And the final question tonight, would you turn down any and all dates after that experience? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> She, yeah, I'm sure for a while she'll, she, she might go, uh, find a new job, you know, or <laughs> fuck it. There's no way I do that anymore. I think, uh, she would have learned her lesson by that point, but it was a nice experience for her. Like <laughs> I guess she got to go on a boat and she got to travel. She got yeah. to look at interesting food. She didn't really eat that much, but she got to look at interesting food. <laughs> right. And she has a, quite a story to tell. Yeah. You know? <laughs> she could start a podcast and like <laughs> talk about the dangers of uh, the culinary world. Uh, yeah. No, I don't think she'd continue in her line of work. No. <laughs> All right. Final thoughts? Uh, yeah. All right. Let's rate this sucker. Yeah. My final thoughts are, you know, we we went pretty deep into this actually deeper than we were going to. It really made me realize how many layers this movie did have to it. You know, like I said, it's not a perfect movie, but it's a very good movie. And I definitely could see myself rewatching this um, and enjoying it uh, again, you know, uh, great acting, like top notch acting all around a pretty solid story. So yeah, for me, I gave it uh, a four out of five over on my letterbox so i know we're doing the, the four the right. stars now so <laughs> so i i i gave it a, a four out of five so despite you know me talking kind of shit about it for a, a lot of the length i did enjoy it overall uh, i think it's superbly acted like really really well acted ray fines could have been my big best actor of the year had I seen this before we did our 2022 list, like very, very good as role. Nicholas Holt was fantastic as well. Ani Taylor Joy, what can I say? She's fucking like top, top tier, like, you know, in as far as actors go. So definitely amazing there. Uh, and the biggest compliment I could give it is like you, I want to watch this again. You know, I'm going to give it time to simmer uh, maybe a year or so. And just, I'm going to revisit it at some point. I'm going to listen to this episode before and which i hate because i hate hearing myself but i'll, I'll do it anyway because uh, i can it'll remind me of my thoughts about it and then watch it again and try to see if i can pinpoint things that maybe i missed uh the first time because like you said this movie is very layered but i feel there's a lot of layers missing you know between those layers and that kind of what hurts it overall for me i give it a three and a half star so i still liked it but I don't think it was like a top 10 film of last year. I think there are just too many issues with it to uh, warrant it. And it could have maybe been a three or a four, but I think it's still very good. And yeah, deserve, uh, you need to, like people need to watch it. I think people should still watch it. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'd be to see what, what do you think, where do you think Todd would hang on this one? I'm very, I have no idea. You know, he <laughs> yeah, could really either. be, either way and yeah. i'm gonna tell them to watch it so we can discuss it on what watch uh, next week because I, I really don't know like with movies like this he's really sometimes yeah. he loves it and sometimes he fucking hates it and you, you yeah. really never know todd so if i had to guess though i would say he's probably the he'll like it the least out of the three of us you think so yeah yeah it's, it's just... possible i could all see him liking it the most though too so it's right. like you know it could, it could go either way um yeah, yeah I, I hope yeah todd gives it a watch next week and uh we can have a little another mini discussion on what watch but 
yeah, I think that's about it. Don't forget to stick around for the interview mm-hmm. at the end of the episode. You want to say it again, Steve? I can't remember. Yeah, so it's for the cast of Murder, Madison Mayhem, which is a new short by uh, Stephen DeRock and uh, just talking about the movie and all that stuff. So, so you know, stick to the end for that and uh, hope you enjoy the interview. All righty. Awesome. All right. Enjoy the interview, guys. And next week, we are going to be heading to the theaters, getting our dance on with Megan, the new uh, 2020, our first 2023 release. Very excited for that one. Other than that, don't forget to follow us on our social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the Horror Squad Podcast. You can send us an email anytime, Podcast at gmail.com. But the absolute best way to keep up with the podcast is our Discord just send us a DM and we will send you that link to get over on the Discord. Anything and everything horror being talked about over there. It's a really good time. And yeah, other than that, Texas Frightmare Weekend. We haven't mentioned it in a while, but we are doing the, we'll call it the official Horror Squad podcast meetup over there. The whole squad will be there along with a lot of our listeners. So if you want to come hang out with fellow listeners, and uh, me, Todd, and Steve, and Sam will be there as well. You can uh, get your tickets to Texas Frightmare Weekend and come on down. That's going to be in May. It's going to be a, a great time. And uh, I'm sure we're going to do like a meetup within that meetup where we can all get together and just kind of, you know, chat harder and kind of shoot the shit and have some drinks and stuff. So it'll be a lot of fun. So yeah, that's it, guys. We'll see you next week for Megan and enjoy the interview. See ya. Bye. Welcome back, everyone, to the Horror Squad podcast where tonight, we have a series of special guests. We have uh, the brand new movie that is being uh, debuted on Friday, the day that this episode is releasing, called Murder, Madness, and Mayhem. So with me tonight, I have the writer-director, Stephen DeRock. I have the main star of the film, Jamie, Alexis Marcia. I have Nancy, Catherine Zenon. And finally, the killer himself, The Man, Riley Marinelli. So thank you all for coming on. I really appreciate it. I'm going to start with you, Stephen. So congratulations, first of all, for the success on your first film, The Rage. A very great film, won a ton of awards, and uh, it, was, it was awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about what this movie, your second film, is about and where you got the idea for the film? Yeah, so I guess uh, keep it short and simple. Um, I know I'm going to actually pull up the IMDP page so I can give you like the audience a proper synopsis, uh, without spoiling anything, keep it very standard. Um, so on IMDB, we have the synopsis as a quiet night leads to chaos by an uninvited stranger entering a family home. Um, this was kind of, I mean, you watched it, Stephen, like, so you kind of know that the film, it kind of pays tribute to like different uh, films within the horror genre like obviously I wanted to do uh, the shower scene because it's like very homage to Psycho and um, you also have uh, you know but I also grabbed inspiration from like movies like The Strangers because that's been always one of my, my favorite movies uh, then uh, when writing the script I would be like looking up like real events that actually happen and be listening to like real 911 calls and looking up different cases and looking up statistics and I'm like this stuff's actually pretty crazy. So I want to like incorporate that. I loosely based obviously on true events, but still inspired by true events, which is why it says that. So um, it horror, like the, in the horror genre, uh, home invasion slashers, always something I've always wanted to try. 
So um, yeah, it was really fun to make, and I'm glad that we had such a good team to work together. Everyone worked really good, and uh, I think we all did a pretty good job. Awesome. What did you learn by making The Rage to help you with the making of this film? And can you tell us a little bit of what it was like, the actual process of making this film? Yeah, so yeah, this one's actually, I think, it, well, the first one was challenging because it was my first time doing it, but this one also had its challenges. Um, it helped to have Colin Evans, our cinematographer, around. He was my cinematographer the, for the first film I did. And, um, you know, we got a lot of recognition for our first film because the cinematography just looks so beautiful. It's nice to look at. And I want to make sure that this film had the same quality to it. Um, so challenges. Um, well, I did my first, we did our first driving scene. I did my first driving scene. Riley was the one that was doing that scene with Alexis. And obviously that was also a night shoot. So we were also shooting during the night, but not too late. I think we started like, we were wrapping up around nine o'clock and we got out there on like 10 or 11. Um, but um, that was interesting doing night shoots because I haven't done those before. Um, shooting, I guess, should we talk spoilers? Because I don't want, I don't know, actually. <laughs> it's up to you. I mean, uh, it's, it's your film. so. Well, probably not. Well, anyways, there's a special, <laughs> there's a special effects uh, application we had to do um, on Catherine. And that was, uh, so my makeup artist, Vanessa Coscarella, she's my one of my closest friends so we worked on the rage together she did all the special effects on there but this time it was her first time doing this specific kind of um application so we were very anxious to see how it was going to turn out and it turned out really well actually um, we only could do it in two takes um and we just added some visual effects on post-production while editing to sharpen it up so you can't really tell there's you know there's been an application attached to her um other challenges was just um always time really I think the first day I was with Alexis we we're shooting the first scene we shot was a shower scene and we were I think we we're like two hours late to shooting that was originally scheduled for I think we we're scheduled to film at 10 we didn't start shooting till like after 12 I think but uh it's always that first initial equipment setup is when it takes the longest to do and uh I don't know. I honestly, I don't know if there was too many challenges. I think most challenges came uh, in pre-production when I was writing the script and organizing everything together and hiring cast and crew, uh, you know, booking all the insurance, all that type of stuff. On set, it's the fun part. And then you have post-production, which is editing, which is a whole other shift of gear because we started editing this project in early October and we didn't finish until like a lot, like the last two weeks that's when we started exporting. So it was quite a process to fully edit it all together with the music, sound mixing, and the uh, color grading. Definitely looked good. Like the film is really, really well made. Uh, so two names that, you know, my audience would especially recognize in this film are Felisa Rose and Roger Jackson, right? So they're two uh, legends in the horror business. Uh, what was the process of getting them involved and what does it mean to you as a filmmaker to have uh, these two names attached to this project? Yeah, so Roger L. Jackson, um, I met him probably probably three years ago at a convention here. I think it was Toronto I met him for the first time, or it might have been Niagara Falls. Um, and then since I met him, we kept in touch via like direct messaging, and then um, we exchanged emails. Um, and then I met him again last year, and then from then we just started, we just, we just stayed in touch. And then I just hit him up and saying, hey, like, would you be interested in doing this for me? 
said he would love to. Same thing with Felissa. She's obviously he's like an icon in the horror genre. She works on so many, especially independent horror movies. She works on a lot of them. So I gave her, I, I shot her an uh, email and uh, she would love, she said she would love to do it. So I was very fortunate to get them on board because obviously, as you said, they're horror icons. So I'm glad we could kind of put like a little cameo voiceover in for them uh, to fill in those spots that I needed for. Otherwise, I probably would have just gotten like, um, I don't know, some nearby actors, like local actors to do it. But I'm glad I got them because it's really cool. Yeah, that was freaking awesome. I'm going to go over to Alexis now. What drew you to this character uh, of Jamie and how did you prepare for this role? Preparing was mostly the thing that I was really nervous about is I've never had to scream on camera before. So my dad owns a factory. So I would go there like late at night when it was closed and like practice screaming in the back. And that was like the thing that I was really nervous about. So that was most of my preparation and just like learning how to cry on camera. I worked with a few coaches at Armstrong Acting Studios that were really good and they helped me with that. And I, I've just been a horror buff like my whole life. So when I saw this posting like I was like that's perfect for me this was my first time being a part of a main cast so yeah I really loved the character it was a lot of fun who are your inspirations in horror that helped you kind of prepare for this role um you know I don't know if you're gonna know who this is but her name's Lynn Shay do you know her oh yeah yeah okay (laughs) I love her like I would love to work with her one day I've always really liked her yeah also yeah she's fantastic and everything she's in both horror and non-horror and then you have a youtube channel that among other things has a horror focus what are some of your favorite horror films and anything recent you could recommend to our audience um my favorite horror film is nightmare on elm street and i actually just watched that new horror movie smile and i actually really liked it i thought it was going to be like really cheesy when i first saw the trailer but it was actually really good when i watched the full thing so i would recommend that Cool. So the next uh, question is actually for Catherine. So you have a background in musical theater. Uh, How does that experience performing theater compare to making a film? Oh my gosh, I feel like it's so different in making a film because in musical theater, I'm so used to like moving the set and everything and helping backstage. And then I get on set for film and they're like, don't touch anything. (laughs) Okay, I won't have to stand over there. Um, but it's also just different acting wise. I feel like it's all so up close and personal in your face that you can't be over the top, like in musical theater. And so I worked really hard with my, both my musical theater and my film coaches to make sure that I was like towing that line properly. But yeah, it's a big difference. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So in a horror, it's... Is it a genre that you would like to continue in? Or if so, like what subgenre of horror would you like to dabble in? Honestly, I love doing horror, like filming it, but I can't watch it. (laughs) I'm honestly so easily scared. Like the scariest thing that I can watch is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And even that gets me sometimes. (laughs) Um, So I don't really have a specific subgenre that I would want to work in for horror. I'm kind of open to anything. Right. And are there any like actors that inspire you as far as being an actress, anything that you think uh, helps you out and okay, I wanted like a performance like that or anything like that? Yeah. Um, 
if Florence Pugh and Amanda Seyfried, both of them just blow my mind, the fact that they can change genres so easily. And I would just love to work with either of them one day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're fantastic. And, you know, again, mm-hmm. both horror and non-horror. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And moving over to Riley. So you play the killer in this movie. What kind of mindset uh, do you have to put yourself in to film your scenes? Yeah, it's cool because, um, I mean, I didn't have much dialogue while I was uh, masked up and everything. So it's just kind of the idea of like I'm sneaking in this house and, you know, something I've done multiple times before as the character and stuff. So you kind of just it's almost like going to work, really, and and finding this this kind of enjoyment of doing the work, which is, you know, kind of creepy when you really think about it. But yeah, it just tr- almost kind of like this is my job and like it's a or maybe even a hobby would be a good way to describe it um so yeah just kind of <laughs> the you know the getting rid of the natural instinct not to kill people you know I don't I don't really go around doing that too often or ever so uh yeah just kind of um zoning in and and <laughs> trying to be creepy trying to be scary you know who are your favorite slashers that you drew inspiration from for this role? So the funny thing is, is I actually, I'm not a huge, thr- uh, you know, horror or slasher guy. I actually haven't seen much. Uh, Steven approached me with the project and it's something that's, I would say is kind of like out of my comfort zone. I'm a, I'm, I'm a comedy buff. I love, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um, I kind of uh, went into it almost blind and kind of just, brought what I you know learned in you know drama school and studying and stuff and just how to embody a character and you know I thought more about how how does my character move and you know his motives and stuff so um I almost didn't have much inspiration in terms of like previous movies I saw the only last horror I saw was probably like signs when I was like eight and it scared me so long that I just like never went back to horrors <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. But you know, th- th- that's okay, right? You're you're playing yeah. a role, and hopefully, it's introducing you to the genre of of horror. It opened right? the world for me, and I I really enjoyed my time on the set and just kind of the style of film and and you know just embodying that character. So it's something I'm gonna have to start watching a little bit more, more horror for sure. But uh, yeah, right. And comedy and horror, uh, I find mesh very well. It's a like two genres I think really can have a really great output. Is that something that would interest you that would bring you a little bit maybe more comfortable and a you know a good way to kind of get into horror more? A hundred percent. You know, there's, um, have you ever heard of the movie Tucker and Dale versus oh, of Evil? Course. Yeah, it's great. Hey, <laughs> one of my all time favorite movies. I, I watched it like five times in a row and like, I could, I could see myself doing something like that. And then, you know, bringing this kind of comedy style into that horror, because it still was a horror film in a sense. Um, so I kind of love that almost like subgenre, but I, I could definitely see myself, um, you know, flowing more into the horror and, and, and creating these kind of scarier characters and just exploring some of that I don't normally, you know, explore. Awesome. What are you working on now or next? And there's anything you'd like to promote to our listeners that, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily horror, just something that they can find you and, you know, see the rest of your work. So starting with Steven. Um, so right now I'm mainly just focusing on this one, like getting it out to like the market for viewers to watch. Um, but I have started working actually on my third short script. So it's more um 
it's a little edgy and it's also um like uh it falls under the vampire genre um which is I, I, I love vampires, so I figured I would do like my own kind of spin on it. So I'm working on something now. Maybe I'll shoot it at the end of the year. Who knows? Just depends. Um, I'm not working really on it too much. I mean, right now I'm actually in contact with a management of a band um, who I want to use music for, for a future film. So I'm working on this future film. Um, it's still like very in the early stages of writing it, but so the band that I'm using, uh, their name is The Midnight. So they do like a lot of synth, like 80s sounding type vibes. And I want to use their tracks um, in specific scenes of the story. So I figured, you know, I did this, um, I'm going off topic here, but I did this like filmmaking online class and they said it's always important to, to produce before you actually start writing so you know what you can actually afford with your budget. So I want to see how much he's these tracks are going to cost to license out before I actually incorporate them and write them into a script. Um, besides that, um, I'm not really doing a whole lot. Uh, maybe looking into doing some more uh, producing and marketing for some upcoming projects. I just got to keep my eyes peeled on what comes up on the job market. Awesome. And what about you, Alexis? Anything that uh, you want to promote or you're working on that you can tell our audience? Um, yeah, so I'm shooting two movies right now. Um, one of them is called Human Nature. It's a sci-fi thriller, and I play a humanoid. Uh, she's like AI type of thing. Like, she's very human looking, but she's a robot. And it's made by Manny De Silva and L.A. Lopez. She actually worked on the last Poltergeist movie. And Manny created Covenant and a few other horror movies that recently came out. And I'm shooting another horror film, actually, that's called Transcendent. We're shooting in Los Angeles in March. So it's kind of about like this vlogger who goes off to like an undisclosed location that's recommended to her. And it ends up being like she can't escape. So, yeah, I think that's everything. <laughs> that's great. How about you, Catherine? Um, so film-wise... Alexis is actually working on a script for a film so we're kind of working on working towards that later this year um and not film related at all but uh I'm currently working on the musical Anything Goes so I'm one of the lead characters and we're performing in April so that's gonna be fun that's awesome and Riley <laughs> uh yeah so I recently just booked a, a small little role on a pilot that I'll be shooting in February, which should uh, should be pretty cool. Uh, and then I do a lot of writing. So I've wrote a series a couple of years back that I've still been pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. So it's something that I just consistently work on and just try to get it out there. So, you know, if it pops up one day, that'd be pretty cool. If somebody wants to buy it, I wouldn't mind. But yeah, kind of just auditioning and working away at that. That's great. Yeah. And judging by all of your work on this film, I'm really looking forward to what you all do in the future. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners will also keep an eye out for that. And uh, Stephen, one last question before we uh, close off the interview. Uh, do you have any festivals like already booked or in mind or just so I could tell everyone kind of how they can see this film before its VOD release, uh, I'm assuming later in 2023? Yeah, of course. So yeah, I actually haven't bothered submitting to any festivals yet because I want to kind of the premiere to happen with the cast and crew first, which is this upcoming Friday on the 13th, figured it was appropriate. Um, and uh, yeah, after that, I'll start submitting. There's a handful of festivals I want to apply to, um, and that is going to be the waiting game. But um, if anyone's interested, so um, if you want to keep up to date on where our, um, 
our film will be playing. I'll most likely be posting it on my Instagram page at Geek Out Cinema or my other username from like all my film stuffs also um Steven makes films. Uh, so you can check me out there. I'll be posting the information there. I know last time, Steve, uh, I did like the uh, individual page for like the rage and everything was on there. Uh, blow, a little bit different this time around, but uh, I'll make sure to keep everyone posted. And also, Steve, thank you, because I don't know if you guys know this, but Steve is actually executive producer on our film. So I appreciate you supporting our work. Now, it's my absolute pleasure both uh, supporting, uh, you know, your your work and also to support indie horror films. That's something that's very important to our podcast and something we'd like to continue to do. And we will, of course, also keep everyone updated as to where you can watch this film once it's released so that everyone uh, can actually check it out. And good luck with the festivals and good luck with all your careers. I really hope that one day I can interview you for some of your other projects and uh, promote your films uh, wherever they may be. So thank you, everyone, and have a great night. Yeah, thank you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, okay. Well, one one more thing. One more thing. You know what else this movie had way too much of? It had too many cooks, too many cooks, too many cooks.